Dear Jazzy. The following program is intended for mature adults over the age of 18. If you are not a patron looking for information on sex, relationships, and gender, please visit scarletteen.org. Nothing said on this show is a replacement for official medical advice. Trust me. Last time I checked, no one here is a doctor. Welcome back to Dear Jassy, episode 82, the show where we answer all of life's kinky questions. I am your host, Jasmine Starshine. I'm your co-host, Fani ABDL. And with us is none other Darlene than... Darlene Lattle. There you go. the vessel that houses the disembodied voice known as Darlene Lattle, or rather the human being that portrays and performs both of those characters. Welcome. Yay. Hello. What is this, a crossover episode? This is a My crossover God. episode. From our secretive, no longer secret D&D project to your now released... Uh, Laddle Prattle podcast, we have lots going on together, which is wonderful. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm honored to be on this lovely show. Uh, it's going to be weird to listen next week and hear my own voice. How are you? I'm good. And if you don't want to, you don't have to listen to it. You were here for it. Uh, we're going to up those views, baby. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, this week, originally, the plan was to have Cuddle Co-op on. We had a little uh, miscommunication uh, type situation. So Fanny and I were like, fuck, what are we going to do? We'll ask Darlene Laddle, our bestie. Mm-hmm. And Darlene Laddle was like, why, yes, you beautiful darlings. I will come on, dear Jazzy. Which is... Was it, was it really that suave? Oh, absolutely. I'm imagining a little bit more like... Ah! Me? Really? You know? No. Yeah. Then, no. Oh, oh, Jazzy oh, was right. Jazzy was right. It was all like, <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. darling, please. But you were by no means an afterthought because we were already talking about having you on the show. So you just came on a little faster. Correct. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, my God. Jo- Joe's already asking Juice for doodles. <laughs> Leave the poor man oh alone. <laughs> but you know he's going to do it. Oh, uh, uh, you, uh, we'll see. Any, I know they're good, Joe. I know. Uh, Fani, how are you? How have you been? I'm doing pretty good. No crazy stories this week. Wow. And it brings it back to you. How's life going for you, Jazzy? You know, I expected to be a lot more fucked up today than I am. Uh, because my sore throat has only been getting worse for some reason. Um, excuse me. Y'all number two. Y'all number two. (laughs) But, uh, in addition to that, uh, I had a dentist appointment today. Uh, and it was my first appointment, uh, since 2019 because over the pandemic, I really didn't want, you know, someone digging around in my mouth for obvious reasons. Um, guess who had no cavities, Thank you. Thank you. I'm clapping for you. Thank you. Uh, I did have some, some tartar buildup on the back of my teeth. So they used an ultrasonic pick to get rid of it. And I just like full sent my autistic special interest for everything medical. And the, the doctor picked up on that and like really reverberated those vibes right back at me. So he kept bringing out more and more tools and kept telling me about them. Needless to say, I'm never switching dentists ever again. It was, it was a great fit. Amazing. It was yeah. really, really wonderful. Like you, they, you could like tell like the energy, like the two of us had going on and the, 
other high jumps were like, uh, Dr. Person, we need you. And no, not right now. Not right now. I'm with Jazzy. Oh, and not, not right now. It was really funny. Get you a dentist who can fill a cavity and cater to your special interests. Seriously. I was so relaxed during my cleaning. I almost started falling asleep. It was that Ooh. good. He was that gentle. Only thing that sucked is I had to take out all of my piercings, all of oh, my piercings. Geez, yeah. And that, you know, putting the, taking them out, putting them back in took a collective like 30 minutes for an x-ray and everything, but you, worth it, whatever. Yeah. So it was fun. It was really, really fun. <gasps> oh, Number how many guns are we at now? Three. Wow. Three. Three, baby. I am fatigued today. I'm but, Darlene Laddle. Nice mm-hmm. to meet you, Fatigue, today. Ah, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get into everything, we have a Patreon uh, newsflash. I know, right? Uh, in the $1... Vi- you know what? Fonny, would you like the honors of saying Patreon this week? My throat <gasps> hurts. Oh, wow. I'm going to try my best to do it just like you do. By all means. Uh, Okay, so I've got the list here. I'm going to make it bigger because, oh, that's a lot of people. Uh, Okay, in the $1 vanilla tier that gets a username shout out, we've got Casa, Danielle, Darlene Laddle, Gosh Cheeks, Manic Pixie Panda, Navi Red Panda, Raystar, and Red. In the $5 Kingster tier that gets you everything from the previous uh, tier, plus access to the photo channel, you got Baby Alexi, Chels, Lindsay, Lux, Meerkat, Ragtime, Retro, Skywalker Ranch, The Starling Family, and Stitchlet. In the $10 fetishist tier, which gets you everything from the previous tiers, plus the extended shout-out and video uh, channel access, you get Luna, Mayachu, Neocryptid, and Pandagorn. In the $15 center tier, which gets you, surprise, everything from the previous tiers, plus co-director input for videos, Uh, we've got Kippy and Koneko, who says, Bawoo! And then in the $20 deviant tier... Everything from the previous tiers. Plus, you get your name written on Jazzy's body for her planned content. You get Ooh. Ao, who writes in The Babies Have Nothing to Lose But They're Locking Mittens. They Have a Nursery to Win. Littles Unite. We've got Briah, who says Drink Water, Pee Pants. We've got Daddy Gray, who says Remember to Practice Safe Text and Proofread Before Sending. Dad joke. Yep. We've got Juicebox and Spade and Jess. We've got Cat who writes public service announcement. P is stored in the balls. And as always, that's wrong. Uh, we've got Let's Call Me Joe who writes in Welcome to the Show. Um, oh, do we want to change that one for this week? Oh, darn. I don't think I updated Joe's shout out. I'm so sorry. We're going to update it. I'm going to update it. Fuck it. Uh, we're doing it live. Uh, welcome to the show, Darlene Little. I fix <laughs> Can't it, wait fix to hear it. from you. I fixed it. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it. I okay. fixed it. I fixed it. Okay, we'll just cut that. Cut that, cut that, cut that. No, I'm leaving it in. Okay, great. Uh, let's Call Me Joe has updated and said, <laughs> shout out to Fonny for always being there for Jazzy and for just being the absolute best in general. Aw, thank you, Joe. Oh, good. I, look, at, look at the doodle. Look at the, the doodle. The timing of... Okay, Jesus hang on, hang on, art. hang on. Uh, we've got Lupin and Personalius who says back to functioning. Uh, we've got Pope Felix, Sluggy, Soup, and Summer who writes in Stay Well. You did so well. Can we get like Thank a, a round of applause? Like, everyone, you did so <laughs> well. Thank you for taking that. That was really, really wonderful. And I'll do it again. Ooh. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, look, look at the doodle. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, how the frick do I get there? 
<laughs> Alt text, go. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, is that a callback? I don't your, exactly know what's going on. Your cocaine on. story. Yes, I believe it is. So, you know, in cartoons where there's like a dust cloud and like limbs sticking out of it and things flying out of it, it's that going on, but Fonny's head is sticking out of it and she's saying, huh? There's a show tonight? And it's a. Oh, God. <laughs> And it's a reference to having a wild and crazy night with multiple partners. And I think that's really cute. Yeah, it was the most mid orgy I've ever been part of. <laughs> I've never heard an orgy described as mid. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I think I told you that last time. Though, like it was just... <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 orgies. <laughs> Yo, uh, guys, this, this welcome real, back to the channel. There were seven people. Fonny, can you do like a YouTuber <laughs> intro for us really quick? Uh, hey, welcome back, guys. So good to see you again uh, on our channel tonight. As usual, we're going to be reviewing the top 10 best orgies I've ever had. But before we get into it, here's a word from our sponsor. And then you say. <laughs> man, 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 it's man. Raycon. <laughs> there it is. Raycon sucks. That's the joke. You had the most polite YouTuber intro I've ever heard in my life because so many of them were what's up guys? Welcome back to the channel. We're, before we get right the fuck into it without further ado. And then they say without further ado like four more times. And it's yeah, right. One more thing. You One, more thing. One more thing before we get into it. <laughs> Check out our sponsor, illegal gambling website. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck my throat hurts now bitcoin trading platform bitcoin um, brought to you by fucking shit stack bitcoin shadow legends welcome back oh, to yeah. elon musk the most ambitious mmorpg the most ambitious shadow legends <laughs> mobile graphics yeah <laughs> oh my god I love how 40 it's like million characters. Forty, but that all of them have a one out of forty million drop rate in our gotcha boxes. Do you like boobs? Well, well we've good. got them. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Trusted Crypto FTX, says Joe. Rip. I I love how like I was like, Fonny, my throat hurts. Can you do the Patreon? And then I just fucking blasted through with that bullshit. All right, uh, WDJN News. Oh, Alan shit. Beep, 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 Ow, my throat. Uh, padding Power TCG, friend of the show, uh, lovely game, uh, as, we're, as we were talking about, has uh, released their Shining Stars expansion. They are going through some hard times right now, so um, all the suspiciously wealthy fans of the show, please throw all your money at Padding Power. Uh they could really use the encouragement because they're feeling a little like bummed out about their project right now, which is like understandable. I've been there. So I am hyping the fuck out of them. Uh, in other news, uh, Twitter's code base broke. And this is the second week in the row. We're talking about Twitter, but this time it's actually important. Um, if you have an account that's privated, the code base broke. And what that means for you is uh, some of the posts on locked private accounts are now leaking out into like the public ecosystem of Twitter. Uh, people are able to like quote, retweet and do a couple other otherwise interact with locked tweets that 
you know, from accounts that they don't follow. So do your own research, look into that and make an informed choice as to what you want to do with that information. But since a lot of us in the community have locked accounts, I thought that it would be um, a good thing to bring to everyone's attention. Uh, also speaking of Twitter, uh, pretty much every single big name furry with like every big name fur suitor has come out as a baby fur over the past week. And it's really funny. Uh-huh. It's, and uh-huh. it's just like, we all knew all along because as a proud member of the baby fur Illuminati, the rule is every single furry that has a comma in their follower count is a baby fur until proven otherwise. And so it was so funny watching all these like anti baby fur furries, like scream. Cause it's just like, we, we don't think that there are this many of them. What are we going to do? And they're like all like panicking right now. And it's so funny because they knew that there are a lot of us. They had no idea. There were so many of them. Um, God, so funny. I, I love it. I just cannot stop talking about it. Like pretty much every single like big fursuiter I follow over the past week has posted a picture of themselves in fursuit and a diaper. And it's just like, oh, yes, this is the content I came here for. Um, but that is all that. Uh, the one that just came through um, <clears throat> today, I'm really excited to talk about and uh I'm sorry, my brain shut down. I am like not feeling well right now, but I am here doing the show, damn it. Uh, you can do it. I you thank this. you. Thank you. Thank you. The Kansas City Age Play Munch is a new sponsor of Dear Jazzy. <gasps> Hooray. Welcome. The APN. Indeed. Yes. Uh, so they are going to, you know, in our regular ad uh, segments where we talk about padding power and ap universe they are going to have their own little bumper uh in the episode so if you live in the kansas city area sorry i am i am not feeling great uh you should go to their event yo it's going to be hype and that is all the news uh for this week um this slide that i just changed to was supposed to be uh, these were the interview questions for uh, <laughs> for the original host. So I don't think we're going to be asking Darlie Lennell about what it's like to run a diaper company. I was going to say it's going to be a very uh, cricket filled segment. <laughs> what's those it, are the questions. What's it like being an owner, a part of the big diaper ecosystem? Uh, yes. And. um <laughs> Exactly. Improv hour, baby. Hey, yeah. baby. Uh, uh, no, you. But you are, uh, you are an author. You are a uh, a cast member on a show that all three of us are also cast members on, uh, mm-hmm. and you are also a podcast host. Uh, I want to talking stick to you and Fonny because you have a very interesting place carved out in the community, and we would love to hear all about it. Okay, sure. Uh, so, hello. My name is, uh, I go by Darlene Laddle. Um, you can find me on Fat Life under Teddy Beard. And uh, I have been lurking in this community for uh, almost two decades. For quite some time, I stayed in my quaint little closet 
and about a year and a half ago, I made the decision to come out in full force. And I had a book idea, and I wrote it, and I published it, and then I decided to promote that and also share my love of erotica. Uh, I wanted to do a podcast, uh, but I'm a big giant nerd. So instead of just making a podcast where I talk about smutty books, I decided to put a weird hook into that podcast where it is hosted by a sniveling, um, kind of shy boy who is the vessel for this otherworldly pastel cinnabite named Darlene Latley. Uh, and there's a little buried undergone or ongoing narrative and little playfulness there. Um, and the third, or sorry, the f the third full length episode is going to drop this Thursday, uh, reviewing the works of someone actually in this very chat. Uh, and that oh, never mind, I stand corrected. Um, and then personally, it's just left the room. And, uh, yeah, that's coming up soon. Uh, interviews are coming soon. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing with this thing. I'm just doing it. And I get to talk like Tim Curry for, you know, 15 to 30 minutes at a time. And I do love talking like Timothy Curry. So <laughs> it's a blast for me. What is your favorite Tim Curry role? Inquiring uh, minds want to know. Okay, that is a tie between Dr. Frankenfurter because that may have been a definitive experience for me as a young man. Sure. sure. Um, before that moment, I was determined to be a young man, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, gender is a construct. Burn that bitch to the ground. <laughs> um, and then, uh, obviously, uh, you got to go with the lovely, lovely smog monster from Fern Gully. Yes, um, absolutely. My partner is going to be screaming if she listens to this because I do not remember his name. Hexus. Um, Hexus. Hexus. Thank you. Oh, yes. Toxic love. Um, and then uh, Tim Curry was the voice of a space communist. He sure was. Where he That's escaped right. to the only place not infected with capitalism. Space. Space. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But like the couple of seconds that he takes <laughs> to not break yes. before he says space. <laughs> Amazing. And he like uh, looks all the way up, like his eye sockets <laughs> all the way, his, his pupils go all God, the way up yeah. vertically, but his, uh -huh. his face stays straight for space. See, here's the thing though, because Tim Curry also taught me another lesson. Anything can happen on Halloween. Yes. You be a frog in your bass guitar and your sister could turn into a cat. So, uh, Worst Witch is a good one. There's there's no bad Tim Curry roles. That is correct. That is Pennywise correct. obviously terrified me as a young person. I, I cannot get behind the current fascination with Clussy. Clussy? Cluckly? I don't know. The clown vagina. Um, I just I can't get into the mime. I cannot get into the, the mime... Uh, uh, ovaries. I just can't. So um, the mimeries, as it were. The mimeries. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, I don't know. But that's because Tim Curry ruined clowns for me. The rest of you, you're fine people. I don't think you're weird. I just it's I all I see is Clussy. terror. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Is it pronounced clussy? Yeah, clussy. Clussy. Oh my God. (laughs) Sketch, new sketch. Oh, I thought it was a (laughs) clussy counter because we've said that uh, far too many times now. Oh my God, this is great. Uh, All text. It's me yawning aggressively into the microphone and Fonny is at a chalkboard with chalk making tally marks for every time I yawn. Uh (laughs) Oh, that's a great idea. I have a whiteboard. That's, ah, no. Let's fill that bitch up. (laughs) Hell yes. Let's Um, go. Uh, you asked about my book. I wrote a book. It's called Gave It All Away. It is a uh, an ABDL erotica femdom novel that's a bit of an emotional roller coaster ride. Sure is. It sure is. Ah, yeah. Jinx. A uh, person and I were just talking about it, actually, in private. Uh, he's giving me some coaching on my writing, and uh, you were your work specifically, Gave It All Away, was referenced as an example. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there's a thing. No. There's a, well, there's congratulations. A thing. Well, congratulations to you. You were referenced in an academic article. Yeah, but you're, you know, you're doing the writing thing. That's pretty cool, man. Oh, thank you. I will, uh, I'll send you, you know, what I'm working on and everything. Oh, yay. Yeah. But talking stick, back to you. Tell us about Gave It All Away. Sure. Uh, so, okay, yeah, I'll give you the the real nitty gritty on it. I started writing Gave It All Away um, probably about three years ago um, when I was in a job that I hated. Um, I was working in a call center in escalations. And if you don't know what that means, that means that Karens call in and belittle you because they didn't get their luxury product delivered on time because of a hurricane. Gasp. So, um I was doing that, and I was working with a very dear friend of mine who uh, was starting to write erotica themselves, and um, she said to me, hey, you are a good writer. Can you edit my thing? And I started editing it. I was like, okay, I can either do punch-ups for years or I can write my own thing. And so I started writing a book, and uh, my intention was to write the ABDL book that I wanted to read um, while also uh, doing a meta-commentary on uh romance novels and then it turns out i was writing uh an emotional memoir that would become a key in my divorce um and the book is all of these things that i thought i wanted um and it's it's basically like a blatant expression of like this is the true this is my deepest desires and what have you and in the year since i finished the book and uh I've only actually published it like four months ago, but in the year that I've published the book, I have experienced reality that is more fantastical than the fantasy I wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's weird that the emotional vulnerability of writing allowed me to express the truth that I actually wanted to have and to pursue that. Uh, So it is a very honest book. It it embraces a lot of the emotional turmoil and guilt um, that a lot of people I have spoken to Um, and myself experience when it comes to fetishes, particularly ABDL, um, especially if you're in a relationship with someone who just doesn't get it. Um, And like the main character's depression is a voice. So if you uh, want to not feel alone in having a slithering shadowy monster that occasionally tells you you're worthless, hey, 
the monster is there and it speaks to the main character uh, for some of the book. So, yeah, I was going to say it's an incredibly <clears throat> profound, very introspective. I almost want to, I don't want to say character study because you're not a character, you're a human being. Like, you know, um, you know how in bookstores there's always like a section of books that's labeled literary critique and it's a bunch of people shitting on Shakespeare yes. for the whole shelf. It's like you did like a literary critique of like your life and you can really see like the metamorphosis of like, I guess I am, I am invoking what I want to happen and then it happened and you can, it's almost like the before and after which I think is really cool. And it's all through the lens of ABDL. And here we are, dear Jazzy's getting really profound and cerebral again. <laughs> oh no, my least favorite things. Oh no, cerebrality. I, I got a minor in philosophy for this? Shock! Horror! But it, it's really, really cool just to see that, like, the becoming. And that's something that in, you know, my own personal philosophy and my my studies and when i when i write you know nonfiction things like when i was in college uh taking philosophy i i spoke a lot about the becoming as a concept about how um like someone's own becoming being your own becoming becoming the agent of your own evolution the idea of like living single generational evolution and iteration and everything and like self iteration and like that whole process. And I think that's why, yes, the movie is problematic for a lot of reasons, but that's why uh, silence of the lambs really spoke to me. And, you know, the whole idea of like taking your own evolution into your own hands. And obviously the character was, you know, fucked beyond belief but also I love Hannibal Lecter as a character, as an aside, and having those two opposing characters go up against each other. Mm, love it. But the whole, you know, the symbology of um, of the moth. I'm sorry, I just made a mouth sound into the mic. And, you know, the cocoon of evolution, that whole concept. It's, mm, yeah. fuck, I can eat that shit with a spoon. It's like condensed, sweetened milk in a can. Just yeah. so good. Well, and so, like, that's... First of all, thank you uh, th for noticing that. I, I I didn't honestly notice it while I was writing it. Like I I, it's interesting when people are like, "Oh man, I love this part of your book and how it's about this," and you're like, "Fucking yeah, planned that. Didn't just put words on a page that I thought sounded cool in a particular order." Um, so yeah, it's interesting you talk about that because like that's kind of what I try and capture with Laddle Prattle too because like you Darling really Laddle and do. the yeah. Vessel are like exaggerated aspects of my personality. Like in reality, I am not, and this may come as a shock to anyone who's watching, uh, a pastel Cenobite. I am not actually shock. a sojourner on the sea of endless sensation. I am but a human. Um, and I'm also not like a sniveling, like nervous wreck uh, all the time. I am both and more and less at any given moment, but those were just, you know, aspects of myself that I was like, this is funny. Let's do it. And, um, it's weird when people listen and they're like, wow, you're way hornier than I thought. And it's like, well, yeah. I, <laughs> okay, sure. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why I think I think it's funny for for those who don't know <clears throat> what a Xenobite is. Can you please explain the whole idea of Hellraiser and Lachance so Box? Clive, yes. Okay. So Clive Barker is one of my favorite authors, and if you've not let, read Clive Barker, you need to because a sexually repressed British gay man who then went to Hollywood and was like, "Oh, oh, we can be, oh, oh. we can just be," uh, is great, and he wrote things ha 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 that are great. Um, so Hellraiser is based on his novel, The Hellbound Heart, and it is an amazing story that tells a lot of things. And the remake, oh my God, watch the Hulu reboot with Jamie Clayton. It is Ooh, I need so good. Um, however, the Cenobites are these extra-worldly beings who exist in a realm called Leviathan beyond our own. And to reach them, you use Le Monchon's box or the Lament configuration to uh, open a portal to their realm of pleasures and pains beyond knowledge. Um, and they are all represented in the original movie as these, uh, uh, Barker described them as sadomasochists from beyond the grave. Um, and so they're all leather and like one of them has uh, her neck split open uh, and it's got, and she has this very raspy voice. And of course, there's very feminine imagery in her exposed neck. Uh, and the most famous Cenobite is Pinhead. This gorgeous, oh, oh my, my God. God. Juice. 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 Oh boy. Juice. Alt text, go. <laughs> uh, Juice just drew Hexus from Fern Gully reading uh, Gave It All Away by Darnley Laddle. And I am. And also, he's got the bit lip like he's super horny. Oh, my God. I fucking love it. Oh, my God. How magnificent. <laughs> but the Cenobites are basically these kind of purveyors of pleasure and pain beyond uh, human comprehension. And they kind of represent the uh, unyielding lust of certain people to just experience uh, every possible hedonistic desire. Um, and usually that's manifested in you get your skin hooked and chained and pulled off and it sucks for you. But man, those Cenobites sure like to love you suffer. Mm -hmm. We sure love to watch you suffer. That's the one. Which is funny to me because um, as someone who participates in the more extreme ends of BDSM and have, you know, I have a lot of friends who are way more extreme than me when it comes to their bdsm um no i'm friends with body mod artists and i don't mean like tattoos and piercings i mean like hardcore body modification and like all sorts of cool stuff and you know i see things like you know flesh hooks and flesh hook swings at you know, there's a yearly event in cleveland called organ grinders where they'll literally hook someone through their skin on meat hooks and like swing them like a trapeze artist and i'm just like this is very hellraiser and that's like an actual thing and like they did it in saw as well and the whole idea is obviously you have a trained professional who knows what they're doing and like it's able to do it in a safe way so you know you don't die but um the whole idea is that the pain is so immense it transcends past pain and becomes yeah. pleasure and it's the same exact idea of something you know when the hot when the water in the tub is so hot it feels cold same exact yes. thing happens with pain tolerance 
and that's why the Xenobites are such interesting characters. And when I yeah. heard that your character was, I was like, yes, I was so excited. Well, and so when I conceptualized Darlene Lattle, I had not actually had my first impact scene. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, because at the time I was with a partner who uh, was not going to do that. And so I went to my first uh, BDSM night at a local club here and um, experienced my first scene. And that was bad. Uh, it was not mm -hmm. good. Sure. Uh, yeah. But then I had my first real scene and I hit subspace for the first time. Mm hmm. And I got it. I completely understood it. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, I could see how somebody could get hooked on this and go to great ends to solve a puzzle so that they could feel deep. Oh, boy, I can see this as a precipice that you could fall down. Oh, absolutely. And that's why uh, when, when Gray showed me Hellraiser for the first time, I was just like, I get it. Like, I get it. As, as a BDSM practitioner, it's like, fuck, I get this. Mm -hmm. absolutely funny you you, lo you looked into the camera the longingly time. and i'm per i am i'm perceiving that as give me the talking stick jazzy <laughs> no i'm just really enjoying the conversation that's happening here and also going through ladle prattle to look like or uh, not sorry not ladle prattle but i uh, gave it all away to find my like favorite parts mm -hmm. absolutely oh gosh yep like uh, the beginning is so good the middle is so good the end is also so good. very good. But yeah, I think all my favorite bits are closer to the beginning and I'll talk about them later. Actually, do you want to talk about them now? Because my throat is hurting again. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I want to frame this. Cause like, I just, I just want to gush about how much I like it. Um, about how you've got these characters that, you know, they, they share their, their motives in very realistic ways um, so that you're not like, oh, this is just, you know, this silly fat fic that I'm going to be able to, like, get through in no time at all and have a couple of orgasms and call it good, you know? Um, but no, it, it actually makes you think and be like, oh, yeah, wow, okay, that hits, that's accurate, that is correct about uh, how he, you know, finds out that she's found out and is like, ah, there goes my life. Um, and then that like slow, but very yearning relinquishing of power and the way that you've set up this, this sort of contract system so that it's not completely unrealistic. It doesn't feel like 50 shades of gray, you know, where it's like all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I I mean, a big response or it, part of it was a response to Fifty Shades because like while I was writing it, it was like towards the tail end of like the peak Fifty Shades popularity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is bad. They don't check in. They don't talk about safe words. Um, they don't like have reasonable goals or anything. And so like there's a spanking scene in the middle of it before they even start. She's like, these are our safe words. These are what they mean. And she like checks in periodically. Um, yeah. And I was I was insistent as I was writing in front of her, I was like, she doesn't need to check in that much. And I was like, bullshit, I've never done this, but I know she does. Yes. Yeah. And she asks, like, are you sure if this is what you want, you have your out. Yeah, that's very, very appreciated. Because I have spoken to people before who just have no idea what's going on in the BDSM world, like 
they know that there's letters and that there's things that you do and that there's like leather and chains and shit. But they don't know about like the the sort of caring aspect of it. Thank you. The, yeah, like the, the connection between people. They think it's all about like pain and control when really it's about connection between people. It's about the intimacy. And you give us a lot of intimacy with these characters. You really do. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, you can always tell, um, or I can always tell when I'm reading a book, uh, if someone's never been to an actual BDSM um, place. Mm -hmm. Like, I can always tell yes. if someone's never been to a dungeon or interacted with someone, because they always describe these, like... Oh, it's like the club from the Matrix, and there's pounding music, and there's people in cages in the winter. And like, if you go to a real BDSM club, it's a bunch of people in kilts and like, like looking little utilikilts. Like, huh? Utilikilts. Thank you. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. Just every dom is wearing a kilt and or a foxtail, and yep. um, every dom a is wearing uh, boots. And like, you can always like. No one ever tells the scene in an erotic novel where it's a couple subs sitting around with a dame talking about where they got their boots. Um, yeah. While yeah. someone's oh, getting demonious. paddled on a bench 15 minutes away uh, or like 15 feet away, like making Mickey Mouse sounds um, <laughs> and everyone's like yeah. cracking up at them. Like there's never the, the playfulness and the humor and like no one ever talks about aftercare. Like no one ever yes. talks about like turning into a puddle and falling down into someone's hand who grasps you so tightly you feel mm -hmm. as if you've bounded with them and like no one talks about the feeling you get giving someone aftercare like it unlocks this level of empathy and compassion and and care in you um, mm -hmm. Like the first time I did a real scene, my aftercare was sitting on a bench surrounded by five people who were just constantly handing me bottles of water. And like uh, a young woman who would become my future partner was doing shibari on my arm. And Aww. I was like, this rope's real pretty. What's this about? Because I was miles high in subspace and somebody else was talking to me and like in the middle of the conversation i was just like i need food. And I killed that conversation like Mike Myers and walked to get a taco and like that's never in any erotic novel and that is like the yeah. truest shit in the world yeah yeah um i hard relate with that because uh i used to frequent our local dungeon and I, i'll be going back next week i'm so freaking excited oh, yeah. uh ethan's bringing me with him and Aww. i've been chatting with one of my current partners about also bringing him because like he's like completely on the outside of everything i just explained vor to him um <laughs> yeah. and he's like so you're, you're you're into that and i'm like well no i just know about it um i know about a lot of things uh and uh so i'm i'm considering bringing him with me but i was like how do i how do i prepare this man for something that yeah is, he probably has this idea of like it's like the the matrix the matrix uh nightclub um and yeah our dungeon does do like the loud pounding industrial music oh my god something. i was gonna say does yours yeah. play fucking 90s industrial rock yes. like always yes it's butthole yeah. surfers and nine inch nails baby so good yeah every time closer A comes on every time closer comes on the fucking <laughs> on the fucking radio all the saint andrews crosses just immediately get snapped up and there's there's fucking <laughs> yeah. slap 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 
slap right oh to the God. rhythm. If I have to hear one more fucking flog and rhythm to the beautiful people, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. But I'm I like, okay, so it's a bunch of nerds. It's a bunch of very... Um, very enthusiastic nerds. Very, and very neurodiverse. To watch, very neurodiverse. You get to watch some very memorable things. Um, there was one time where I saw, uh, it was a lady. She was having a lot of clothespins clipped to her, and they were all attached on a like a thin rope. And whenever she wasn't expecting it, they all got yoinked off of her all at the same time. Oh! And the noise that she made was just. Very memorable. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 Hello. Uh, can I tell a story about clothespins at my dungeon? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, viewers of the show, regular flyer, frequent flyers on Dear Jazzy will know that uh, I refer to my downstairs parts with the proper quote inverse language so instead of my scrotum i usually say my labia uh which is funny because i'm going to have that procedure done next year very excited um mm-hmm. so i was so there i was barbecue sauce in my titties so there i was in the dungeon you know i was on in a table and everything and gray is one by one putting clothes pins on every square micrometer of of my labia as he can to the point where my whole shit is just covered in clothespins. There's actually an old Patreon reward picture of this, uh, of not in the dungeon, but recreated. And at one point he just like slapped it and it hurt so fucking bad. And it was so funny and so great. No. Yeah. I'm just imagining the wobble of all of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, you know, what would be Mm -hmm. a really great, patreon reward what if i wrote every single like all the names of like a certain tier patrons on a clothespin right and then like put them on that's a great video oh brilliant that is a lovely idea for video there we go there we go (laughs) joe's on board joe's on board (laughs) i could say anything and joe will be right there to support me he's the realist um makes things happen joe makes shit happen it's so true the people mm-hmm. want to see it, but you know, I, uh, that is, you know, talking stick goes back. I just wanted to tell my close spins on my nutsack story. Certainly. All right. <laughs> uh, Darling, do you have any dungeon stories? Uh, yeah. So the last, uh, so there's a monthly, my, my BDSM event is at a, um, swingers club that happens to host a BDSM night. And, um, you know, swingers are people. Uh, sure are. So I was seeing with uh, one of my favorite doms or dames. Her name is Madam. She's phenomenal. And um, she was doing some great impact work. And in the process, I had done some squirming and might have been making some sounds. And there may have been about 20 people who were having a good time at my anguish uh, watching. And she was using a fire hose paddle that had uh, on one side, it was just the fire hose. And then on the other side, it had a steel rod going through it. And uh, in the squirming, some things had kind of readjusted. So that steel rod side came down. Oh, no. And it made contact with an area that I did not want it to. 
and I experienced actual harm. Like, not, like, hey, playful pain, but, like, true hurt. Um, and it, it felt like someone took a dull spear and stabbed it up through my intestines. The pain was so sharp. Um, and that was just, uh, nothing broke skin, nothing happened. It just, you know, a uh, very nerve-clustered area got a lot of impact from a abrasively cloth-covered steel rod. Um, and so I immediately stopped. She immediately stopped uh, and was like, what do you need? What are we doing? And I caught my breath and we finished the scene and she pulled my hair as I was getting back on the bench. I was like, what are you going to do from now? And I was like, talk everything. And she's like, good boy. And as I melted, uh, she continued to bite and bludgeon and scratch. And it was nice. And then I got good cuddles afterward. I was so lovely, except the part and, that I, and that's how we learned I'm not into CBT, by the way. I, that's you what know, I was, yeah, I was going there to say, was a mild yeah. curiosity. <laughs> yeah. And now there's none. Absolutely none. Curiosity to- did not... Do you want to direct your attention to the No Mic channel? Purse did something very cruel. Do you see it? <laughs> the dancing letters. The Ooh. dancing letters. <laughs> 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 What's even funnier is you two are semi-local to each other, question mark? Yes. Yeah, so you two have the repertoire where you can rip each other like that. So it makes it even funnier. Uh, the first age play event I ever went to, like the very first Littles event I ever went to, was uh, one that Purse hosted. Oh, that's wonderful. And it, it is a memory I cherish very dearly to this day. That is so wholesome. That, really that is, is too amazing. wholesome. Just, just one of the best advocates for this community. And quite frankly, I am blessed to know him because... Uh, He's a phenomenal author, and the fact that he brought me up in a conversation with you blows my mind, because to this day, uh, when he publishes a new chapter of Unfair, I'm like, cool, I'm going to need a box of tissues, and I'm probably going to need to wipe tears away with it also. Naturally. This episode, Dear Jazzy, is brought to you by Padding Power, the ABDL-themed trading card game from Zakiru. If you're looking to collect and play a great new card game while supporting creators in our community, please visit PaddingPowerTCG.com. You can also join the community Discord where you can connect with fellow players and get a game or two in. Plus, me and Fani both have signature cards. Again, PaddingPowerTCG.com. So, uh, in the interest of preserving my longevity on this planet... uh, Oh, no, 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 we're not done yet. Not by a long shot. Uh, do you think we can go? Uh, there are four questions in the questions submissions channel. The most recent four are addressed to you. And I was wondering if we could go through those. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then and if I need let to, me read them out. Yeah. If I, if I need to tap out, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we have a couple of questions that, uh, were sent in just today whenever people heard that you were going to be on on the show um the first one is from person alias who writes uh he's got a, a three-part uh question it's kind of like one of those math questions where it's like oh you only have two uh two problems to do tonight two a or one a one b one c one d I hate that shit always yep oh anyways okay so uh Person aliases are way more fun. And the first part is, in the interest of levity, please share your ABDL origin stories. Caveat. Blatant lies only. Let's start with Jazzy, please. My 
blatant lie ABDL origin story was that of total wish fulfillment. I was but a nigh cisgender straight boy, and I was whisked away by a big booby mommy dom to the land of <laughs> milkies and honey. And I was forever a baby slave, and I never had an adult thought, and I never paid taxes ever again. And that is my totally accurate representation of my origin story. Wink, wink. Oh. No lies detected. No lies. Mm-hmm. Totally truthful. Darlene. Um, so one night, I could not slumber. I was but a young man, 17. I left my home, and I began to wander. And I found myself in the quaint downtown district of my humble hamlet. And I found the bookstore was open. I said to myself, why on God's green earth is a bookstore open this late? And then I corrected myself and said, why on the cosmos' blue marble, man? Get it together. 75% water. Anyway. So I walked into the bookstore, and behind the counter... Such a decrepit form, ancient, withered, old as the dust they seemed to be made of. They waved me in with a single finger and pointed me to a shelf that had only one spine. I picked that book up and I blacked out. And when I awoke the next day, I wasn't sure if I had dreamed it. Except I saw a strange book on my desk and had the most lustful cravings to wear diapers and be treated as an infant for the rest of my days. In this house, we snap. Snapping our fingers. We snap for art. That's amazing. Tell us your origin story. No Uh, lies. Robo Nursery got me. Oh, classic. Classic gets everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. He just fell through a crack in the sidewalk, and there you were. If I had a dollar. (laughs) Those darn robot nurseries. Yeah. Can't spit without hitting one. (laughs) I love how that's one of those things where it's like, if you know, you know. Yeah. I had time for every mechanical arm with a white glove on the end. I could fill my gas tank all the way up. (laughs) Big fan of those, uh, Fuck with it. Oh, ghost nurseries. Oh, the ghost YCH hands. Ooh. Love them. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to change you. You smell like shit. Ooh. Okay. Wow, rude. <laughs> rude. Okay, what's the uh, second part is, of the question? Yeah. All right, part two is in the interest in, of uh, sincerity. All three of you, despite being fantastic and creative content makers in your own right, have also undertaken the arduous and sometimes thankless task of analyzing, showcasing, and promoting other people in this space. Is there a significant difference in the approach or mindset you have when talking about other people's work versus when creating and producing your own art? Is there a line between critique and creation? Or would it be more accurate to say that sharing your thoughts about other artists is a work of creation in and of itself? That's a fantastic question. Uh, I'll be fully transparent. I am a corrupt bitch. I am absolutely prone to nepotism. (laughs) If one of my friends makes a thing, I will shill it until I die. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without any form of critique whatsoever. And if you can't hear the facetiousness in my voice, then I don't know what to tell you. But that's just networking, babe. That That's yeah. literally just networking. Yeah, no. If if a friend I know has made something, there's a very high likelihood that I will bring them on the show to gas them up as hard as I can. Because at the end of the day, I want nothing more than to see all of my friends who are in the struggle like rise above and do the thing. Luna says it's not without merit. I'm going to cry. That's very sweet. But you know, that, (laughs) that transparency aside, uh, when it comes to talking about a thing on a show in all seriousness, I, Oh, Luna says you have good taste are a good person and wants their friends to succeed. I'm going to cry. Shut the fuck up. Um, Gay? gay in all actuality. I do try to, um, I do try to vet um, the things that I hype up on the show. Like um, I remember originally before, um, you know, I don't want to say before this cause I, it, I don't want it to make it sound like something has changed, but like originally on the show, my first mentions of Capcom were actually slightly critical. If you go back and listen, I actually, you know, I had my feed, I had my positive experiences, but then I had my critical feedback and um and like before i started really wanting to you know kick the show into overdrive <laughs> alexi says truth <laughs> i looked i sure did and um you know, before i really you know took a hard look at the show and said i want to take this to the next level i want to start looking at sponsors and like professional people who are bigger than me to start you know doing things and interacting with the show I, I went through all the available options for diaper companies until I finally settled on ABU. And at the end of the day, I really wanted to work with ABU, but I went through all the available options. I dug through the dirty work and they are the ones that came up the most clean. And I believe in the most as a company. Um, <clears throat> and same thing with uh, padding power. Uh, Zachy Rue is a stand-up individual and like a really good shining beacon in this community. And if I didn't think so, then I wouldn't be, you know, talking about padding power every single episode and like having uh, them on and having a wonderful time with them. Uh, Ethan says, you know, that's, (laughs) that's amazing considering what ABU originally was. That is totally true. ABU was a hot mess before Casey bought it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the full transparency and like the actual serious answer, that is basically the process of like, if I see something in this community that I want to highlight and see more of, I feel some sort of moral obligation and desire to uplift it as someone who finds herself in this community with a voice. And it's not the largest voice, but... I I do have like an audience and a voice that I can speak to and like, you know, try my best to have good takes and do the thing and, you know, enact, try to enact the change I want to see in the community for the, for the better of it. And I, and I, I promise that's not me trying to sound high and mighty that, I mean, that's just is what it is. I am a girl with a microphone and a subscription to Podbean. So <laughs> I have the power to do things and I want to make sure I use that power correctly. Talking stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darlene, Bonnie, what about you? No, no, no. Uh-uh. We're uh-uh. keeping it in the same order. Yep. 
Um, so in response to the question of, um, is there a line between critique and creation? I absolutely think there is. Um, I am conceited enough to think that Laddle Prattle is more art than criticism because there's the narrative and there's the performative aspect. Everything is scripted and edited. Um, and I do my best not to actually, um, to only speak about the work as printed. So, um, I, I think it's personally not even real critique as much as it is like artistic analysis. Like I, I feel like the way Darlene Laddle is voiced is very similar to the way that a like docent at a museum would praise a piece of work or evaluate a piece of work. So, um, I do think that it's more creation than critique. Um, there was the question of, is there a significant difference in the approach or mindset you have when talking about other people's work when creating and producing your own? Um, yeah. So I always, uh, like a lot of creative people, I have a weird self-esteem. And so I will always elevate the works of other people because they've quote made it. And I, I feel like I'm some sort of jamoke and I'm not going to use imposter syndrome because like that shit was literally created to describe women in uh, the age demographic of 24 to 36 in the workplace. And I am not one of those. So I'm not going to co-opt a term that researchers developed for a phenomenon I don't experience, but I do feel like a fake. I do feel like a poser. Um, uh, and that changes every day. Like every day I, I spend time talking to very popular and talented people like person alias and Jasmine Starshine and Bonnie ABDL. Oh, and so like it is getting harder and harder for me to be like, well, I'm just some nobody out here in the dune, the boondocks. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely talk uh, very poorly of my own work. Um, and then the last question was, would it be more accurate to say that sharing your thoughts about other artists is a work and creation of itself? Um, I think that any type of publication is art. Um, I personally believe that taking the time to drop 50 characters on Twitter that goes, I made a poopy, haha. Um, I mean, that's Dadaism, but it's still technically art. Um, <laughs> so like I'm... Granted, my background is in um, art education, so like, uh, I I'm tend to be very liberal about it. So it's hard for me to look at anything someone has made and not try and find an intrinsic value because that's the nature of my job and uh, kind of a cornerstone of myself. So yeah, I, I think that any type of um, publication is in itself some type of art because we are never truly capturing the concreteness of reality we are never portraying a total truth even a photograph is a failing in that because it is three dimensions condensed to two um through the limited myopic perspective of a lens so uh yeah i i do think that all art or all expression in any form is art um and so yeah i think the critique in itself can be an art as well that was the single most cerebral thing ever said on the show, referring to a shit post as Dadaism. I <clears throat> love that. It's accurate, though. That is so accurate. <laughs> you want to know something really wholesome? Is I actually, I also subscribe to and really love the philosophy that you just outlined that every single thing that we see and experience is an abstraction of its truth. 
And that's mm-hmm. something that uh, Gray just kept telling me over and over when I was having a lot of dysmorphia and dysphoria, body image issues in regards to my weight, is I would look at a picture of myself, like a selfie we took on a day out, and I'd be like, oh, I hate this picture. I'm so ugly. And he said, no, you hate the image that the camera lens created of a single singular moment in time that your eyes are viewing on a screen, which is a further abstraction. And there are so many layers of abstraction to where you cannot truly see this. This is not true. And I was just like, and even if, yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah, no, 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 that was it. Um, and the other thing is like reality is entirely subjective. Now there is a concrete reality. There is a unified reality. There is a truth. An election was won on, on January 6th. I like, I'm not, I'm not getting into that, but I am saying sure, your sure, personal sure. reality is subjective and your self image is literally the cornerstone of your whole experience. Mm-hmm. So when this picture someone says they tagged jazzy and it doesn't line up with your self-image that is not an expression of your actual reality and so of course like of course you're frustrated because you're like fucking people are looking at this and going that's jazzy when that's not the core of you as a person that's not your internal manifestation yeah fucking tracks hell yeah yeah and is there a name to this philosophy that describes um you know, all truths are locked behind abstraction. Does that have a specific philosophical name? Uh, I mean, it sounds like some fucking Heidegger shit, but... Uh... Oh, it's, you're so right! You're so right! <laughs> there it is. Welcome to oh, Cerebral Talk with yeah. Jasmine Starshine. Welcome I mean, to I don't want to lean focus. too heavy on Heidegger because the Nazis did, but, you know. Listen, pretty much all the, quote, greats of philosophy are dusty old Nazis. Let's Let's just be, like... There are, there's a huge problem in philosophical (laughs) circles of like dusty old white men. Uh, Okay, sure. They're all dusty old white men, but I was going to say Baudrillard is not a Nazi. Definitely not. Karl Marx, not a Nazi. But but that is like the meme in philosophy circles of just like, why do all of our celebrities have to be so fucking racist? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Hey, Jazz, you've got three questions to answer. Oh, God. Hey, sure Fonny, do. you have three questions to answer. Sure uh-huh. do. Sure do. That's me. All right. Yeah, coming uh, back around let's me. talk about the third half, the back half of Purse's question. Oh, I didn't get to, to do question two, though, because I, I forced oh. Darlene to, yeah. to take their turn. <laughs> it's your turn on the wheel of philosophy. It sure is. Uh, I just also got. Uh, a little comment in another uh, chat that I'm in, my my work chat, um, where I work part time at a cafe and I've done some doodles on the board that we have up behind the counter. And one of the little doodles is a dragon because we host D&D at uh, the, this this place. And this note uh, says at Fawny, um, a precious, precious little preteen wanted me to tell you that the dragon on the chalkboard is really cool. Aww. Aww. I got that from the work chat just a second ago. So yeah, I think I've made it finally. A precious little preteen um, recognizes me. So if you need me, I'll just be on my high horse over here. You earned that. You earned you that. High yeah. horse. Whenever <laughs> that's the toughest demographic. It's true. Whenever like <laughs> yeah. whenever a youth describes any part of me as cool. I I feel so 
validated of just like something I'm doing, some energy that I'm putting out into the world is reverberating yeah. positively. And the antithesis of it. that is doubly true when they insult you. Oh, oh, no it's nice. even better. That deep. It's even better. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you're old. You listen to the clash. It's just like, oh, I sure oh. am, sonny. Uh, so, Fani, it's your turn on the wheel of philosophy. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to wax philosophical, um, but the, the difference in the approach uh, when talking about other people's work uh, versus like whenever I make my own stuff. Oh, vastly different because I know all of my own flaws. Or rather, I, I choose to see all of my own flaws. So whenever I'm producing my own my own stuff, I'm like, I'm hypercritical of what's wrong with it. Whereas whenever I'm looking at other people's stuff, I'm just like, wow, I never thought of doing this that way. And holy shit, I can't do things that way yet. That's super cool. And I just, hyping other people's work is, is it feels so good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like whenever I'm looking at my own, I'm just like, Ooh, that hand. I should redraw that. Yeah. That's not good. Um, and then the line between critique and creation. Uh, absolutely. I don't know if I can go any more philosophical than, than y'all already have. But I'm just going to pin that as, yes, agreed. <laughs> sure there thing. is a line. <laughs> uh, and then... Oh, I interrupted and then, you. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was actually at the art gallery the other day and uh, I was hanging out with that new partner and, uh, you know, he's not so into art for art's sake yet. Yes. Um, there it is. Where he was like, I mean, why, why would you even put this on the wall? Is it is it good? And I'm like, ah, we are at an art gallery. Does art have to be good or does it just have to make you examine how you feel about it? Art is successful so, if you feel something, anything. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Yeah. Like you can look at it and pick it up, pick out something and be like, oh, that reminds me of such and such a thing. And it's like, yep, the art has done its job. Unless the job is for you specifically not to feel anything like Muzak or like the corporate paintings on the walls of a hospital. Yeah, I was going to say capitalism has unfortunately killed uh, the authenticity of art. Yeah, I was going to say, but That's then true. again, it's still serving its purpose, which means it's successful. It's, you know, visual it's noise. It's annoying. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. all concepts are multifaceted and uh, it's it's hard to say what is and is not art until you have experienced it. Truly. And um, but I mean, is, is that a universal one? Is neutrality a feeling? Yes, Ooh. I would Ooh. argue. I would argue yes. Yeah, I think Muzak is meant to be just neutral. We're getting into some real bong rip discussion here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. This episode of Dear Jazzy is brought to you by AB Universe, the world's leading provider of ABDL and Incon products. If you want to support the show while restocking your petting stash, check out at oddswithgod.com slash sponsors or the sponsors channel in our Discord for 10% off your order of 50 or more. Uh, what was the third question in purses? Uh... Would it be more accurate to say that sharing your thoughts about other artists is a work of creation Interruption. in and of itself? Interruption. Uh-huh. 
Uh, yes, please interrupt me. This is uh, in regards to what we just talked about. Night Dragon, who is brand new to the server, welcome. In Hello, the Dragon. live questions and feedback says, question, to bounce off of what was just said, how does one begin to ID where the core of uh, who someone is versus who our parents wanted us to be uh, where do both start and end? And I just watched a really fascinating video talking about collectivist culture, talking about this concept and how a lot of collectivist cultures are getting to a place where they are top heavy in that there is a very large population of elderly people and people uh, who are retired, who are otherwise no longer contributing to the economy of that society and it is completely propped up by the uh total creative and productive output of the generations that they helped raise and it is just so fascinating that that entire system is built upon parental notions of who the person they are raising is and i'm going to talking stick because i want to hear these perspectives Ana, you get to go first. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is a... I have feelings about parenting. Um, Just in the fact that, like, I was... I was listening to a bunch of backwoods Berta boys. Uh, that's my province, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, chatting about, like, you know, how, how parenting uh, and, like, each practice that a parent kind of practices... Um, comes from like one of two things it's either they experienced something and didn't like it and wanted to change it for their own parenting practices or they experienced something and did like it and are continuing the trend in their parenting practices so it's kind of they are parenting you through the frame of how they were parented and what they think is best is from what they think they wanted as at least to start like then you start to grow up and you have preferences and sometimes they change and sometimes they kind of try to like put you under their thumb to be like, no, you're going to conform to how I think you should be parented. Um, it's complicated. Uh, there are so many ways to brush a cat. Um, so many ways to parent a child. So I can't really give like a one size fits all answer to like where a person is like the core of who someone is versus what parents want. Um, I don't feel like I started to become a person until I lived on my own and started to like go hang out with people my own age. And that was like after the age of 20. And it's only been 10 years. I don't, I I still don't know what the core of me is and I don't know if I ever will because the people who are also my age now also have this problem. We are digging deep on this episode. This is great. I'm having an existential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a, and I, I cannot remember their name, and I, I feel so bad. I'm letting down a lot of professors. Um, there was a feminist philosopher who, in the debate of abortion, described personhood and said, you're not killing a person because you are not a person until you can articulate a thought on your own that's really profound when it comes to 
identity and realm to parenthood um in in philosophy there's another term called a philosophical zombie and these are individuals who just don't have a personality these are just individuals that do not have a yearning for deeper thought they do not have a creative inkling they do not have a desire to they are so burdened by the expectations of their authority figures and or just the grind of surviving in the world that we've manifested that they they don't get to experience or do not have the luxury of experiencing uh kind of more elevated thought and so i think that for some people a lot of people will not ever truly achieve their own identity and i think that's why we have and I am completely flying at the seat of my pants here. So this is not research. This is not well thought out. I'm literally having these thoughts as I speak them. So if this is a house of cards, let's topple it. But I think that's why there Can has I topple? been such a... Yeah, sure. Uh, Miss Daisy has a really good point saying uh, mm-hmm. that can sway into ableism fairly easily talking about uh, defining personhood. Uh, the, the linchpin on that is the ability to communicate identity. Absolutely. Yeah, but I I hear, you know, the crux of what you're getting at. There was a person I went to high school with who, in talking to him, he didn't listen to music. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I don't like music. And I said, what? He said, I don't like music. And he asked his hobbies. He didn't. He just went to school. Sometimes he would come home and play Xbox. He had friends. He hung out, but that was it. Like the, the neutralians from Futurama, that was this kid. And it was so interesting, but, um, but yeah, so I definitely, I I hear what you're saying. And also Miss Daisy, fantastic point. Thank you for throwing that in there. Absolutely. Um, but uh, kind of the core of what I was trying to get to, which is obviously like highly faltered, any any point made from a place of privilege, whether that is in gender, finance, uh, race, ability, uh, dominant language, whatever, um, is a point made in complete fallacy. So I completely understand that. Um, but... Uh, I think the the original question was, where does your own identity in that formed by your parents begin and end? Um, I mean, so like educational theorist Piaget talks about these stages of life where we have these kind of internal conflicts that age and change as we come into our own. And we when you're a teenager him in my adolescent yeah. development class. Yeah. Uh, and when you're a teenager, that's when Piaget talked about the conflict of the self versus the group. Like, what am I doing? I want to fit in, but I also want to be my own person. And so from a neurological, psychological standpoint, that is traditionally, I'm putting severe air quotes around that, when a lot of people start to begin to forge their own identity um, is around like middle school, high school. And then it continues to, um, as you separate yourself from that place of origin, as your, your spheres begin to expand from like the initial, you know, nuclear idea of yourself and your caregiver, and then like more immediate family and then your school group and then et cetera. Um, but unfortunately I think a lot of people aren't going to discover that. 
People aren't going to find their passions. People are not going to find the truth of themselves um, because of the power structures we exist under and the societal expectations placed on them by their parents um, and other mm-hmm. authority figures. Um, and that is and that is outside the confines of like being limited by ability, race, gender, finance, etc. I want to do a whole episode talking about the fantasy of the nuclear family as the quote unquote default ABDL relationship unit. But we really need to move on. We very desperately need to move on. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, Are you good with me reading out the, the third part of this question? Yes, please. And we'll make it a um a rapid fire question. Yes. That's all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Personalias, we're going on to your uh, third bit for the optional part. Uh, it's not optional now. You knew that whenever you typed it. Oh. Um, <laughs> first writes, if someone is the worst, uh, as in they have a past or present filled with a problematic behavior or talking points or content, uh, is it better to shine a light on that person and do a call out or is it better to ignore them? Either approach could potentially make things worse. Talking about it could add legitimacy or invite bad faith arguments that muddy the waters. Not talking about it could be taken as turning a blind eye and condoning it. I.e. Uh, literally every internet drama argument ever. Uh, sent in by your friend and humble DM, person alias, pronouns he him. I personally believe that people have the propensity for change. Every single person has the propensity to change. I No one will ever pry that belief from me. People have to want to change. Um, further, the reason why I believe that is I attended a diversity conference, um, and you know, it was a legit conference cause I got a bumper sticker at the end of it. Um, <gasps> but I went there in my fancy business clothes and I was listening to the keynote speaker and he was a former neo-Nazi addressing an audience where I was one of three white people and he was talking about his experience as a Klansman and a neo-Nazi and, you know, being a part of a really harmful system. And since he left that culture over 20 years prior to him giving that keynote, he has since become one of the most active uh, justice, equity, diversion, uh, diversity and inclusion uh, advocates in the state of Ohio and has done an absolutely immense amount of work to undo his wrongs and to not only actively undo his wrongs, but go even further beyond in the opposite direction. And I, you know, I thought that was really profound and really cool. And it's just like, should we be able to critique his former actions? Absolutely. Should, but here's the thing is that if we always hold someone to the candle of their worst ever deed, what's going to happen is that person will dig in their heels and only get worse because that's not giving them any, um, that's not giving them any incentive to be better. And that's why when, you know, a bunch of fucking MAGA pea brains are on Fox news saying, I got canceled. I got canceled. Those people are going to be so jaded by social media chiding them that they're going to be like, see, see, look, I told you. And then those people are going to be like MAGA for life. And that's where it begins the problem. And, you know, my, my partner talks at length about the idea of restorative practice 
as a form of justice mm-hmm. where someone faces their wrongs and then is able to overcome those by becoming an agent for the equal and opposite. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be to be said there, but I definitely agree that people should be held accountable for what they do. And we should feel free to call things out that we do not like. Uh, I don't think that we should end someone's fucking life over them. Uh, over like a, like a, a, over a shitty take on, on Twitter. Like someone should have a chance to like realize what they did wrong and then make amends and then work to undo that. And you know, like it's restorative practice. I don't have time to unpack the whole, the whole cerebral everything that is restorative practice because it's fairly advanced and i know there's going to be at least one angry email talking about no cancel culture is good fuck you jazzy but you know don't have time for that rapid fire go uh yeah everything you said i agree with wonderful (laughs) yes also uh people from that community who have been shamed into or like at least have learned why it is what they're doing is uh not uh, conducive to, to human interaction um, are some of the best people to help other people out of that anti-social behavior. Exactly. Um, so I think giving people the grace to change um, and inviting them over to your team is, uh, I mean, you, you don't have to be active about it. I just, I think calling people out should be used uh, very sparingly. Mm-hmm. very sparingly to either be like this is actively harmful hey guys watch out um or like hey no this person is literally doing something that is uh harming people who don't uh have a voice to to talk for themselves like minors exactly mm-hmm. yeah rapid fire ao's question please go Okie dokie, AO writes, Dear Jazzy, Fawny, and Darlene, uh, is Catpuff's shout-out biologically accurate? On the assumption that it is, and given Jazzy's operation earlier this year, is this why Jazzy has to be permanently diapered? Um, written by Scientifically Confused, AO, pronouns he, him. Yes, next question. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, there was a PS1 versus question. Hey, uh, ABD&D, Little Secrets Academy, coming soon. Hey. It's ABD. Coming soon. Oh, I can't do the okay. Okay, now that we got the intro out of our system. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Go. Um, okay, first Nanis writes, Dear Potted Reincarnation of the Weird Sisters, what do you look for in kinky content? Any kink? Any medium? What are the hallmarks of quality to you that earn someone your attention? Forever seeking wisdom, personalis, pronouns he him. I look for uh pool toys, balloons, and diapers and all that good shit. And specifically people who are very clearly part of that fetish community who are legitimately enjoying themselves. Next. Oh, uh, yeah. Diapers, uh, forced regression, uh, impact, femdom, bondage. Uh, Any medium is fine. Uh, Hallmarks of quality. Uh, Check-ins, consent, and um, uh, an editor. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, it's has this been proofread and edited? Um, there's nothing that takes me out of it quicker than the wrong use of the word there. Big true. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, also, 
is it all adults? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I want to make sure that in like the, the art that I see and the art that I draw, people are um, reasonably depicted as adults. Absolutely. Uh, people who can consent. Um, and also second part of this question from Personalius uh, is, what would a practitioner of the dark arts put in a summoning circle to invoke your power and bind you? Asking for a friend. I can be invoked. I cannot be bound. Uh, you would have a passy, a pool toy of your choice. Has to be a good one, though. Uh, a diaper and a stuffy to invoke me. Excellent. Uh, to invoke me, not the vessel nor Darlene Laddle. I cannot reveal those secrets as I am bound by greater forces. Uh, board game, diaper, booze, and maybe a weed gummy and a bad movie or sure. a good horror movie. Oh, excellent. Can I, can okay. I add something to my summoning circle? Mm-hmm. A GameCube. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. <gasps> oh, yep. Adorable. Uh, for me, it would be a sewing machine from the 1960s. Um, a wardrobe full of Lilia dress. Oh, no. Milky Chan. I'll just take Milky Chan. That's fine. Sure. Um, a bottle of gin. Um, there's this lovely sea berry gin that we can get in our region. Just saying, if, if that's what you want to put in your summoning circle to grab me, um, I'm just going to hop right in there. Um Probably a copy of Howl's Moving Castle. And uh, can I also have Herrera from Viper GTS? Is that too much to ask? No. Okay. No, it's not too much to ask. Yes, you may have that. Sorry. Phrasing. Excellent. Yeah. Consider me bound. (laughs) Woof. Uh, Let's do this last segment um, talking about game design. Uh, yes. Final question Talk addressed to Darlene from Skywalker Ranch is the one that Fonny and I can answer. And I am uh, basically I'm getting ready to make dinner for my husband and I. But you quite literally are a game designer and I am not equipped to answer like I study game design. I am not a game designer. However, Darlene Lattel, you are an incredibly multi-talented polymath of an individual. Please. Uh Personalius writes, Dear Darlene and hostages, talk about game design. Shit, I forgot to phrase that as a question. Talk about game design? I hope that worked. Personalius, he, him, P.S. There's no P.S. this time. Yeah, okay. Uh, Sure. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm a board game designer. Um, I would tell you the games that I designed, but that would kind of compromise the... uh, uh, integrity of my uh, privacy, which given the nature of what I do professionally, I need that. Um, so what I will say is, yeah, uh, game design is very fun. Um, for me, I approach it as a storytelling method. So um, I sit down with every game and I think to myself, what emotional or mental experience do I want the players to have? Um, and then I kind of go from there. Um Usually I have a goal, whether that is like an educational goal is in like a societal thing or a kind of like personal or emotional thing that I am usually subconsciously sneaking in and about halfway through the design process, I'm like, ah, shit, this is about how I hate capitalism, isn't it? Or like, ah, shit, this is about confronting trauma from the past, isn't it? Um, So that'll and that realization makes the game better uh, because usually then I can lean into it. Um, 
if you are going to be a game designer, here is what I recommend to you. Stop thinking about it and just make your fucking game. Shut up. Get out of your own head and just make the thing. Mm-hmm. Get three by five cards, write your ideas down, sit down with a person and play. Is it going to suck? Yes. That's why it's called an alpha. It's called a prototype. You are going to play test your game. You are going to play it and you are going to test it and you are going to develop it. You're going to tweak it and make it better. And you're going to do this with any single thing you create. The art that Fani and Juicebox make today is significantly better than the art they made yesterday and the day before because they shut up and they started drawing. The music Jazzy makes now is better than the music Jazzy made years ago because Jazzy makes music. Stop conceptualizing and start manufacturing. You're going to make bad things. That's okay. Make more things. Eventually, you will get so good at making that you just, a law of averages, you will get better. Learn from your failures. Do not get crumbled by them. It's game design. So what if nobody plays your 3x5 card game called Rule of Cool? Who gives a shit? You learned something. Take that lesson to the next thing you make, and then it'll be better. And then the next thing, and it'll be better. Too many people get stuck on the notion of an idea and do not actually make something, everyone's first thing sucks. And that's okay. Yes, I'm funny. done. Funny, go. Yeah. A lot of this, uh, this whole learning um, and growing process is also about just learning how to use the tools you've got available to you and figuring out yes. which ones work for you. Diane, making a card game, you've got your graphic design programs. How do you use those graphic design programs? You make your first game, you learn a little bit. You make another game, you learn a little bit more about the program that you're using. And then sometimes you're like, oh, this program sucks and I'm going to move on to another one. And it makes your life easier. So just keep going. Exactly. And the other thing is like your first product isn't going to look good. It doesn't matter. Dominion is one of the most popular uh, deck building games that forged the genre. And the art in the first iteration of Dominion is ass. It really is. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I will still play the hell out of Smithy with his bad foreshortened arm and his weird Egyptian style face. As in hieroglyphic, not like uh, he looks to be Egyptian, but like his weird flat face. I still play the fuck out of that game. Absolutely. Darlene Lettle, who are you and how can we give you money? Um, hi, I'm Darlene Lettle. I'm an author. I wrote a book called Gave It All Away, and I have a podcast called Lattle Prattle. I may do a Patreon later. I don't know. You can find me on Twitter uh, under Darlene Lattle, and you can find me on Fet Life under Teddy Beard. Funny, go. Uh, I'm not taking your uh, couch cushion, cushion change at the moment, unfortunately. Um Life is just a little bit too busy to run Patreon, but you can still find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash funnyabdl while Twitter is still around. Uh, you can also buy a couple of things over at Etsy at etsy.com uh, slash assorted crinkles. Me and Juicebox worked really hard on those those pins and lanyards, and we're probably going to be adding more by the time Capcom ro- rolls around. Knock on wood. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, and... I think that's it for me. Jazzy, can you please tell everyone about our links? Sure can. I've been Jasmine Starshine. Uh, my brain shut down, but it's back. Uh, best way to support me and the show is patreon.com slash Jasmine Starshine. The neighbors are doing some dumb shit outside my window. Um, 
Patreon.com slash Jasmine Starshine. That's the best way to directly support the show. It directly increases my quality of life. Please and thank you. It, it really does mean a lot. Um, if you want to... No, that's not how the bit goes. I'm going to do the bit correctly. <laughs> Dear Jazzy's at oddswithgod.com production. Please visit us online at, at oddswithgod.com where you can visit my links, Bonnie's links, and every single link related to this show and everything else we do professionally. Also, Darlene Laddle, you did not ramble we bring people on so they can ramble what the fuck is going outside my window oh shit it's the party wagon it's the party wagon (laughs) i have been jasmine starshine i've been funny abdl and i've been darlene laddle and we will see you next time Uh, bye-bye 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 farewell bye-bye watch your step bye-bye get off the plane It is, it is so worth it though like you're a lovely writer and we can talk more about just uh, what, how I feel about your writing in a bit <laughs> your mic cut out at the best time ever so <laughs> 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 uh.